Hey, Saxon here from Money for Nothing. As promised, today we're going to give you part two of our conversation with Matt Dryhurst, discussing all things blockchain, crypto, Web3, and its relation to music. As mentioned before, the conversation was nearly two hours, so we decided to break up the conversation into two episodes. If you didn't listen to the first part, I highly suggest going back and listening to the previous episode. It's a really interesting conversation where Matt really tries to sort of assuage some of the skepticisms that Sam and I have about the uh, Web3 crypto blockchain space and uh, how it can actually be beneficial for independent artists and labels. So here's part two of our conversation with Matt Dryhurst. I mean, you can ask, you know, like who, who's interested in major labels, and and I think to a certain extent, me and Saxon are. <laughs> yeah, we talk about major labels a lot. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and, and partially because I think a key part of our analysis, thinking about the long durée of music history, is that 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 many of the the forms. Um, of music even like what a song is and how it functions as a commodity are created um in kind of like you know an ongoing evolving dialectic relationship between a handful of actually relatively stable um culture industry and sometimes even culture industry companies and then like a wide array of innovative you know uh, often more precarious fringe actors um and that the relationship between those two has really continued to power aesthetic evolution, cultural evolution, in a, you know, a whole variety of ways. It's not, I don't think it's, you know, particularly insightful to say, but, but it does mean, I think that, that I'm really interested in, in thinking through this space and this moment now. And, and some of our critiques, I think, are, are more like, it's not like crypto, yes or no, <laughs> it's crypto how. And it seems to me that, again, these, you know, if you're spinning up artists in the style, you know, new songs in the style of an artist, the thing that is going to be, it's going to be, you know, new style, new songs in the style of the Beatles, and it's going to be owned by a major. And thinking about how these actors, like not if, but when they push into the space and how, you know, um, how this space, I, I agree. And I think your point about the heft of this space and the creativity of it, and, and particularly the kind of the contingent fact that a number of people made a ton of money um, that allows them to have maybe a freedom to maneuver that many early industries don't have. Um, but thinking about how music continues to evolve and how these really innovative ways thinking about the future and kind of take the load of the future continue to evolve when I think that part of the load of the future is likely if the past you know 120 years as any judge go on um going to at least include some co-option and hierarchization both within companies within the space and from companies kind of outside it i completely agree i i think my my uh response to that would be <sighs> to some extent right like the march of the 20th century to, to some extent, a lot of the things that we saw happen couldn't have happened outside of a, a, a kind of centralized infrastructure, right? I mean, we could argue that maybe uh, independent music in infrastructure, one of the most inspiring things about it is that, you know, it's quite remarkable to think, right, that with access to the mail system and uh, 
telephones, uh, people built a parallel billion dollar industry that at least for a period of time was like a very competitive, thriving, uh, thriving kind of alternative, at least in terms of like the aesthetics it prioritized or whatever it might mean, right? Like uh, it's my argument in a sense that even though I think that these battles will still exist over the course of the 20th century, moving into the moment we are now, you would suggest that the trend line uh, uh, errs toward decentralization of ideas, like decentralization of toolmaking, decentralization of proposals. Um, and so to go back to my original kind of plea, in a sense, um, for exactly the reason that you might be concerned, for example, with, let's say, uh, to make it more tangible, right? The, a group of majors coming together and saying, what we're going to do is we're going to make our own blockchain and we're going to come up with the perfectly calibrated like DRM uh, uh, codec uh, for how uh, music or audio files are, are shared going forward. And this is perfectly calibrated to keep everything within, within our dominion, so to speak, right? Like that would be a, that would be a dangerous scenario that would have a material impact uh, potentially on the future of, of music and the sharing of audio, so on and so forth, right? Uh, this is why I return back to my plea of saying, right now, the real battle to be won is between these kind of decentralized open proposals for how this tech is is created, um, uh, 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 distributed, and, and uh, uh, distributed, used, uh, remixed, and exactly that kind of nightmare scenario in which you know these tools are just used to to further consolidate power um and and uh, on a permission chain on uh, within kind of centralized environments and the one thing i can say you know is like uh to go back to the bugbearer of nfts um you know on the one hand you know uh, larva labs who who were involved in you know in the development of the the erc721 uh, uh token standard you know they've then gone on to you know uh uh, now there's a lot of consolidation happening there between them and like the board apes and they're kind of building this kind of in a sense almost like a traditional uh media company structure with some new perks uh uh but but the the method by which the nft as a medium as a file format was developed was through uh you know uh uh there, there are open. There's something called an EIP within Ethereum. It's, it's an Ethereum improvement proposal. Like people propose um, new standards that can be added to this, this, this open network, right? And so I think that many of the tools that we're seeing now are being built in that kind of environment with those intentions in mind. And really, the you know, there's no way around this dilemma of saying, yeah, there's going to be a lot of bad people who are, you know or opportunistic people who are looking to, to use this opportunity as a means of consolidating power, building upon this legacy of, you know, kind of like IP of the 20th century that I'm persistently haunted by that. I just want to go away and, <laughs> and let us, let us have a new, let us have a new, a new uh, era. Um, but, but that's going to happen. And so, you know, my argument is that honestly, we're not really going to impede that, but I believe that many of those people are at a great disadvantage, um, uh, largely because at least for the time being, um, the vast majority of innovation, the vast majority of new ideas are happening in this decentralized space and people take that principle very, very seriously. Um, and so if anything, I think, you know, it's far more practical and conceivable that people who do have concerns about the further consolidation of media or this, you know, 
perpetuation of, of an obsession with legacy IP, um, I think it's far more conceivable for people to move into, bring these arguments into the tent and start debating with, for example, core Ethereum developers or people working within here and saying, look, like here's how uh, you know new codecs, new file formats, new whatever it might mean could make a huge different to, difference to uh, uh, our scenes, our ambitions, um, I feel like that would go really, really far, um, and ultimately is probably the most practical way to to compete against whatever you know, whatever some people uh, some people uh, within the major system are cooking up. And I can say, you know, uh, I've been in this game for quite a while. Like, I rarely encounter uh, visionary thought coming out of that world. There, there's a they're so downstream on this particular topic. Like, they are so downstream of like you know cool weird nerds uh going to ethereum <laughs> ethereum hackathons they're so downstream so I'd, I'd argue at least for the next few years um we have you know we have a really good chance of of winning that battle and as you mentioned before you know uh quite how people feel about it quite how fair the distribution of income has been uh thus far you know there's a lot of money uh and a lot of comfort and a lot of kind of like a lot of reasons, a lot of a lot of ability for people who believe in these principles of of an open internet of of, a, of decentralized infrastructure that can't necessarily be controlled by these by these uh, uh, by these legacy actors, um, you know, in order to kind of in order to kind of fuel that. So so I remain optimistic, but I'll be even more optimistic the more clever people who have some kind of context about you know. Uh, how the music economy went wrong, uh, you know, what's important about maintaining, uh, you know, curatorial autonomy for labels or publications from the kind of populist dynamics of, of that we've seen, uh, you know, that we've seen kind of uh, uh, auditioned in Web 2, but would be nightmarish in a Web 3 environment, right? Like, we don't want, uh, uh, you know, everyone to be able to, to hold a token to vote on what the next record sounds like or something like this. Like, these, every idea is going to be explored um uh but we're we're far we're, we're far more likely to uh, uh, uh to see a preferable outcome i believe with clever critical people coming in and contributing to let's say the ethereum ecosystem um uh, that would be the one i would vote for but 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 yeah but but, but in the tent that's what, that's what that, that, that's my main goal is just being like bring it in the tent then say what you want be as critical as you like but bring it in the tent because that's where we need people yeah. yeah 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 no 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 that that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense um just just thinking through this a little bit more. So, I mean, uh, forgive me, this is a little bit of a tangent, but again, thinking about the possibilities of these kind of like decentralized dynamics um, in a music industry, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you think that relates to what I see as the kind of centrifugal tendencies um, of, is this centrifugal the one I want? The pushing inward tendencies <laughs> of... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of of mass culture and what continues to be mass culture. You know, I mean, that was one of the things that that I thought um I really enjoyed talking about, you know, in a that means Sexton talked about in in the episode about Epic Games and thinking about um you know, uh Fortnite as an increasingly centralized place where a ton of people go. And that part of you know, there's just, you know, there's, again, a, a constant back and forth between, I think, cultural back and forth between people liking micro scenes and people enjoying mass cultural moments and figures and dynamics. Um, people like being able to talk with random, you know, family members about the 
I don't know, <laughs> Nick, the Travis Scott concert that the whole family goes to in 30 years. And, and so thinking totally. about how yeah. Yeah. you'd imagine in a decentralized world, kind of taking off the black hat, putting on the blue hat, blue sky thinking, <laughs> um, like how a decentralized world copes with or incorporates those kinds of, of, of centralized dynamics, which seem to me to, to unfortunately kind of lead back to some of those, the role for maybe not the same kind of players, but for uh, really open a space for, for some of those kind of older school legacy players. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you're right. I mean, first off, what I appreciated about your, your podcast, uh, and I believe to be true is, you know, just this base submission that, okay, I'm in my mid thirties now. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but I assume that you're not in your early twenties. No. I'm assuming that. Um, you're correct. No, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, there is there is a bit of like there is a bit of a, a, a you know it is a bit funny like being as ensconced like or or kind of like uh, involved in independent music culture as as we we have been to like turn around and be like oh wow gaming ate everything yeah it, like um yeah like it is it is kind of weird and it's also I mean it's a shock for me because like you know oftentimes. Uh, interacting with with crypto people you know there's a lot of very young very bright people and i'm like wow like you know holly and i've been on tour like making record like it's always like, like it was always our dream it's like holy shit like we're making an album on 4ad and we get to go on tour like this is our dream and then you kind of look back and be like all of culture is like over there like they're you know it's like Fortnite in jokes and like shopify accounts i mean i was tweeting about that it's like you know like everyone everyone in our scenes like bitching about spotify which in my mind is kind of like a, a dead you know it, it lost a lot of its kind of it's like cultural momentum years ago and like actually it was it was shopify that took over right like so a lot of these a lot of younger people are like they're all about like weird you know like we had labels they have like weird brands like that you know they like weird streetwear things like drop culture which is still like it makes me shiver a little bit when I say the word, you know, but it's, but it's true. And actually there's some kind of cool dynamics from that that do parallel in a way, some of the spirit of stuff that I uh, came to fall in love with, i.e. I. like a, a degree of autonomy or a degree of like a dynamism of like independent uh, uh, characters, like, you know, building something like, uh, you know, just like being productive with their time, like trying to make something cultural happen. Um, you know, so, so I think that like, yeah, uh, it, it's good for us all to like acknowledge that like, yeah, like drop culture, streetwear, Virgil Abloh, Fortnite, gaming, kind of one. Um, I recommend anybody check out uh, a good friend of mine, Trevor McFedries, who is responsible for, for Brud uh, and many other things that uh, Brud, the, the, the company that put together Lil Michaela. Um, he has like lots of great things, reflections on this. Uh, basically like just everything is gaming now. It's kind of true. Uh, I've referred to it in the past as like gamer bait or when you see, you know, like uh, figures who maybe come from like an independent music background, like slowly changing everything about their aesthetic and their language to try and appeal to a gaming audience. There's a reason for that because it is the dominant industry. That being said, right? You know, going back to first principles, um, I don't believe that we can necessarily stop that from happening. I don't think that we're going to, I don't believe that through uh, some kind of new infrastructure, we're magically going to find ourselves in this kind of like abundant environment in which a lot of attention and finances and habits don't coalesce around big populist ideas. I think that's just kind of going to happen. It's kind of how things work for most people when they, you know, uh, class like first rule, right? Like the first rule is most people don't care about music and art 
as much as uh, musicians, artists, and people who dedicate their life to that pursuit, right? Like most people, they just want to go to the big show and whether it's the big concert or it's the big Travis Scott uh, thing or, you know, or it's the biggest gaming environment. Like that's what, how most people engage with culture and who am I to tell them they're wrong. Um, the, the most important thing for me, however, is saying, you know, how insulated or how autonomous or how much agency do we have outside of inevitably, you know, big popular things? Um, my, from my upbringing, at least within independent music is that there was always some kind of an alternative. I would make the argument, which is maybe a longer argument that this kind of like poptimism has been kind of like the bargaining stage of grief for a lot of like, you know, uh, people who were, were acculturated in independent music circles being like, well, I guess everything now is about being the biggest, most flashy, most popular thing. So, you know, let's reconcile this somehow, or let's like, uh, let's, you know, let's find, try and find some way to kind of like accept this new reality and bargain with it. Right. Um, but and undeniably, you know, under web two, we haven't really had a great many options to exist outside of that. Right. It's like, it's cool that you're making this like strange, uh, you know, whatever noise release, strange, whatever scene uh, of whatever. <laughs> um, but ultimately you, you are uh, kind of uh, beholden to the same one size fits all dynamics um, my partner Holly would argue, you know, like the same fundamental economic logic, um, which is a per stream valuation of your music, which when you think about it is like a really big imposition, right? It works really well if you, if you're making something that's intended to be streamed a billion times, doesn't work super well for, you know, uh, for the, for, you know, for, for a lot of strange music that isn't really isn't isn't really isn't really there to be valued by how much you play it, right? She brings up the example of like Threnody for the victims of Hiroshima, right? Like you're not like jamming that every day. That's not designed to be, banger, you know. It's not designed to be uh, to be. It is a banger, but it's not designed to be played a billion times, right? And and so we have to find economic logics that aren't all beholden to the to the to the uh, to the economic logic that was designed for Taylor Swift, right? Um, and so my calculus is more to say that like there will always be, I believe, that gravitational pull of big funded populist ideas that I may or may not find interesting. But fundamentally, the most important thing is what options do we have outside of that? Because what I don't like is I don't like when, for example, and you can see this in journalism, you can see this in, in art, you can see this in music when ultimately the gravitational pull of that in order for anybody to make a living, you then have to play by those same rules, right? Like, and I don't think it's any wonder that in the past five years, and I say this with no judgment, right? Like the biggest kind of stars emerging from the traditional indie sphere, you know, are all pretty photogenic, right? They take pictures of themselves a lot, right? Like they play very much the same game as the biggest fish. Why is that? Because we're all lumped in the same barrel. Right, and the great promise for me of independent culture is that we don't all have to be lumped in the same barrel. That's not a judgment call. It's just saying that culture is more rich when you know uh, a publication can exist outside of uh, playing with attention economy dynamics of clickbaity stuff or like you know baiting people into getting angry about things. Like I think culture is impoverished when that happens. I think music is impoverished when we you know basically all have to take pictures of ourselves or like 
pander to a kind of playlist dynamic. And so for me, uh, crypto offers many more opportunities outside of that, because one of the fundamental principles is that ultimately, if done properly, and if we defend this right of a decentralized open permissionless network, this is not a one-size-fits-all environment. Um, and so one of the things I would advocate for, but I think we're still way away from, but, but is, is there as a spirit, at least in some of the interesting corners of the NFT world, is, for example, giving people more tools to design economies or design interactions around the work they put in the world. I've been calling this protocol art, right? Like, what would it mean rather than, you know, the limits of your design capacity for a record being, okay, well, I can, you know, choose how many songs are on there. I can name them something. I can take, you know, I can make artwork for the cover release. What would it mean if the parameters for that release were far more expanded and you had more tools to be like, oh no, this is how people interact with this, right? This is how this is going to be financially supported. This is how people who financially support it, this is how I'm going to organize them to do whatever I want, if you want to, right? And that for me is the opportunity with crypto and Web3 is to say, you know, rather than one size fits all, you know, there's a dire need for us to produce more tools to allow for artists to be tailors of the experience of their work. And some people will choose to say, fuck it, I still just want to make 10 folk songs and I don't want to deal with it. And more power to them, right? But I think there's going to be a lot of people who look at that and say, actually, when pressed, if the tools are at hand enough, when asked the question of saying, would you like to design the experience and the economy around what you do, people will say, yeah, I'll give that a go. Actually, that sounds really interesting. And so to me, that is a buttress. Like that is a, a means of insulating us against this kind of like gravitational pull of popular stuff that will always exist for the rest of time. I, I, and, and as I say, I don't think, you know, but, but so my focus is very much about, you know, uh, how do you insulate yourself from that as opposed to as opposed to overly worrying about that existing, because it, because it just will exist. It exists now. It's going to exist in the future. Um, uh, I, I want I want like more outcomes, you know. Uh, and and I think I think crypto gets us closer. More so. outcomes beyond like Bandcamp being the only alternative. The uh, what do you call it, the tourniquet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like and, and as I say, I don't mean to diss anyone because people a lot of people love Bandcamp, and that's fine. It's not really it's not really my thing. I've collected uh you know i've bought things on Bandcamp, and and a lot of great music has obviously been published there but i just look at it and i'm just like in the scope of what we could do with digital infrastructure going forward uh you know it, it's pretty limited you know it, it's a it's pretty limited conception it's very much as i say it's kind of like a blankie blankie camp sorry but it's kind of like you know it's like it's kind of like the record store experience that we all grew up with that honestly doesn't mean shit tonight to a 19 year old because they didn't grow up with it you know and like yeah you can still have that you can still have that in these new environments and by all means there's really cool as i said uh, uh your ninas your 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 catalogs of the world there's really cool thoughtful people actually working on pres- providing a decentralized alternative to that I'm just personally of the opinion that there's going to be way more. Yeah, no, I think I think that's know? also was always our opinion, and almost kind of our frustration where it was always presented as like this alternative, it's like a fancy but coffee it's like shop. That alternative is extremely, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely limiting. Like this isn't the future, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, it also coincides with like you know, like we're of an age where like you've seen a lot of kind of 20th century subcultures become the coffee table book. And it's also, a, it, you know, it's an, it's an age thing too, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, without naming names, I don't like to name names, but I have a lot of friends who are in this camp, you know, it's like you were into like noise music and like strange esoteric modernist composition. And then you kind of, you know, you had a kid and now you like buying the, the you know, the, the five, 
the five vinyl uh, collector's edition that happens to look really good on this table you can afford now. You know, like that's a, there is a very kind of middle class taste component to it too. Um, yeah, that, definitely. Yeah, we've know, mentioned that before. I think I think Sam has definitely <laughs> talked about that as well. That, 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 if that you want to make money in art, it, sure. you should invest in DC area hardcore posters. <laughs> yeah, to- totally, totally. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not you heard it here first, yeah. folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, wonderful. You know, and it's like I have no, I have, I have, I have only reverence for that. And you know, uh, again, the, the times where I'll push back is, I, you know, personally, I got involved in music uh, because it was the most like dynamic, intoxicating environment where it was like, wow, there's all these ideas and there's these networks, right? Like, I mean. I tend to push back again, particularly about the tech clash. Like I started working at Southern records. Most people don't know this. Like Southern records was like started in London by a guy called John Loder, who was a kind of informal member of crass helped set up crass records, helped basically establish what many would understand to be um, kind of the, the, a template for a blueprint for what independent music culture became. Um, And he was an engineer, you know, like the guy was super into computers. Like, you know, there is this kind of, there is this kind of, I can revere the genesis of a lot of these ideas. I, I still love a lot of that music, but, but it's when it veers into that almost kind of like reactionary, protectionist, kind of like, I like my culture just as it was. Then I'm like, that isn't actually why I got into any of this personally. Like I got into it because it was this dynamic thing that was always changing. And yes, I'm not overly now, I'm less excited now by, you know, uh, the latest return to, you know, ambience fashionable again, you know, there's like, that doesn't get me, get me quite as excited because, you know, this is a 50 year old idea that just keeps coming back, you know, uh, 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 but you know, I'll get shit for that and, and maybe I deserve it. But like, but yeah, I just personally don't see, I don't see the future, I don't see I don't see the future of that. It, it's it's a bit too stale for me, to be honest. I mean, that's actually one of the the really interesting things. Hearing you describe that is is uh, and you may fervently disagree with this, but it actually feels like you might have more in common with some of 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 the folks who are really interested in things like library streaming services. Um, in that it it does seem like there's this moment where like clearly the previous system. Not just did it break down and start producing terrible results for people in terms of like increased precarity at every level of everything, but like also it just like the like almost like a symbolic system. It like the symbols of that old economy no longer describe the universe, the world we live in. There's like give and there's just like it doesn't map right. And so there's all kinds of weird, exciting things that come out of that energy. And I mean, it really does seem to me that like it means that people are thinking really seriously about like, what does music as a commodity mean? What does it mean to have commoditized music? And it, and it feels like, or commoditized culture generally, and what kind of things do, what kind of communities do commodities allow people to make? How do they function in the world? And, and it does seem like there's a whole bunch of different folks thinking, you know, one was one, one, one reaction is like, uh, uh, you know, the kind of further left, Bernie or Bernie associated like decommodification, right? Like almost like the musical Medicare for all. <laughs> um, and, you know, the idea that, you know, it's a local community and it should be kept within the local community and you could figure out funding structures or, you, you know, there are some of these like on think people thinking through on the ground proposals are thinking about this. You know, they're not trying to replace Drake in Central Park. <laughs> they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we 
promote the musical culture of this city. And and it does feel like uh, there's actually some similarities of there are going to continue to be, it sounds like, from this conversation in, in a big way, the Britney Spears and the Drakes and the Little Yachty's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there also is going to be a whole host of smaller, creative, dynamic scenes. And the question is, seems kind of stripped of some of the the intensities. The question is, is what allows people to 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 survive and make the kind of art and make the kind of community that they want to make yeah because something you've sometimes mentioned about it in, in reading what reading you know your interviews and things you've written and stuff is that element of precarity and like how like this will be less precarious for like the quote-unquote independent artists you know and so i'm just yeah i'm kind of curious like like how that actually plays out. Because sometimes when I like think these things through, it sometimes almost feels like more precarious. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, you're right in saying that. I mean, the reason I bring up the the people who talk about library streaming and stuff, this is absolutely narcissism of small differences, right? Like the reason I bring that up is because I am also an infrastructure nerd. And honestly, I respect pretty much all of those, uh, all of those people. And the only reason I point them out is because we have differences, <laughs> but we're clearly like arguing from the same position in a sense where it's like, you know, it's been my position. You bring up like a, a, a you know, a Liz Pelly, for example. Like I remember talking to her in like 2015 or whatever, uh, making the argument like, you know, what 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 does it mean to be kind of countercultural now? Like countercultural now is like the battle over infrastructure. And so whether I uh, disagree or 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 not with people putting forward ideas like library streaming or, or whatnot, we agree on that fundamental principle that you know I don't think. You know, uh, in the in the age we live in, I don't think that you know having a different haircut or whatever is really is really you know or or putting some distortion on your music is quite as shocking as it may have been in the nineteen seventies. Um, uh, really, when it gets to the meat of the matter, this is absolutely about about infrastructure, about you know uh, the the potential birthing of new institutions to facilitate new kinds of culture and new kind of. Uh, value exchange between people, and you know, and and at risk of misrepresenting myself. Um, when I, I love hearing those proposals, you know, um, I ultimately, I, you know, I probably fall less on the ideological side and more on the pragmatic side in the sense that, um, you know, I find a lot of those proposals, you know, they, they often start with, they start with a conclusion, right? And this is why I say they're a bit more ideological where they're like, actually, this should happen under the domain of the state, or actually this should happen in like a nonprofit environment and then work from there. Um, I'm a bit more pragmatic where I'm kind of like, uh, I don't have necessarily a preset conclusion in mind. Here are the tools available and here is maybe the best, the least worst outcome that could come from these things. Um, so to speak specifically to precarity or like precariousness more, more broadly, I mean, yeah, like that, you know, um, it's, it's been, it's been, tragic and kind of upsetting in many cases to see a lot of cultures that have meant a great deal for me in my life kind of erode as a result of uh changing infrastructure and it's been very frustrating that you know uh, uh with the exception of a few very important voices that that hasn't really been the the center of focus uh when 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 talking about it um one thing i will say is i, I hope that i've always stopped short um there may be some examples where I, I was a bit too overzealous, but but I hope I've always stopped short where I personally don't believe that the tools that I'm describing will bring about some kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, perfectly, you know, kind of like 
perfectly harmonious new economic paradigm in which in which everybody can get by. However, I do, and this is where I align sometimes with, you know, uh, the more libertarian fringes that talk about, you know, prospects of like a fairer capitalism, like a less cronyistic capitalism. This is where I might align with them is that I do fundamentally believe that uh, affording people uh, new options um, will produce will produce more varied outcomes and will give more people, individuals, collectives, or scenes, uh, whether they be local or digital, will give them more of a shot at creating something sustainable. That's that's kind of my goal um, because I, do, I don't personally believe that, you know, again, like introducing some of these dynamics is going to magically uh, make it so that, you know, uh, uh, magically make it so that, so that a musician can all of a sudden, you know, overnight live from what they do. I just think that I just think that there are new concepts and new tools that are being debated and piloted right now in crypto that will give more people who are currently, uh, you know, uh, alienated from or uh, not really being represented in the current paradigm. I believe that will give them more tools to fully express themselves. And I also believe in I believe in uh, these kind of fringe marginal scenes, right? Uh, to go back to the, the case earlier of, you know, it's pretty fucking wild that like in the 70s and 80s, people with telephones and the mail system uh, managed to build an entire power, parallel economy. Um, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> I hope I don't sound too like pull up by your bootstraps, but sometimes I feel like we moan a bit too much where I'm like, wow, like look at what they did with like, Imagine how difficult that was, right? And like, I'll like uh, living live, living in the Lower East Side <laughs> with like rats and like drugs and everything as well. Yeah, probably, right? totally. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Look, also with uh, with cheap rent, and uh, you know, there's also a. I True. certainly there's you know a, a lot of people of our age and younger have inherited an impossible burden uh, of precedent uh, set from that time. It's just a different economic paradigm. So I'm not I'm not too judgy on this, but I do think that like you can accomplish a great deal. And I'll sometimes run into people where they're like, oh, like this crypto stuff, like it's so elitist. Like I don't even understand what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, I'll be critical of, of you know, Google, Alphabet, YouTube, whatever, but you can just look it up on YouTube. I mean, like, you know, there there are certain things that like, you know, there are certain things where, you know, you know, we do kind of have a lot of power here, actually. We do have a lot of access to resources. Um, and, and, and fundamentally, the, the biggest inspiration I take from that time is like just just a sense of a sense of of, of, of dynamism and and optimism that, that something else can be built. And, and and I very much fall in that camp. I'm a very I'm an insufferable insufferable techno optimist, and I, I make no bones about it. Um, but the, but the, but the you know, but, but but I think but I think that's that's some that's uh, it, it's somewhat necessary. That being said, I do not believe that that Web three is going to magically make everything better, and I also don't believe that it is in any way a salve or a, a replacement for um, you know traditional political action, right? Like I don't like, uh, 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 and and that's often another kind of category error that's kind of placed on the space is like you know my enthusiasm here does not preclude me from, let's say, in an American context, uh, wanting there to be something like uh, a, a, a public option for for, uh, for healthcare. You know what I mean? Like, like these, these two things are separate in my mind. Like, I, I, like I don't think, I don't think uh, that, that being more libertarian leaning, let's say, in internet infrastructure um, precludes me from being more interested in, you know, more funding for public schools, right? <laughs> these, it's complex, right? It's complex. Uh, 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 yeah, but, but, no, and we, and, uh, yeah, we and we appreciate that, and I think I think, yeah, I mean that that's kind of like also, I think, 
the way that Sam and I try to think through things on our podcast as well, where it's really just, you know, it, it's so, it'd be so much nice to be like, I'm anti-capitalist, I'm pro this, but actually, you know, it obviously gets a lot more complex uh, when you get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, and I appreciate you making that point. And I also appreciate this whole conversation. I think, I think this is probably a good time to maybe wrap it up and like, but uh, I think that oftentimes um, it may be, you know, reading your interviews or like, or when you, when people call you for like a poll quote or something like that, like it leaves us with like a lot of questions and, and I think that this conversation, it, it definitely gave us a much clearer view of, of, of kind of where you're at and what you're thinking and also like where this space is thinking. And so I'm really glad that uh, you reached out to have this conversation. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you'll do. I think it's really cool that, yeah, at, at specifically on the issue of like discussing the broader uh, infrastructural kind of challenges and how that interacts with with culture and specifically music more broadly it's really great that you all are, are doing this and have put the time in um yeah and i'll uh, and and exactly i mean I, i'm definitely often pulled in as like the representative of kind of kind of crypto it, it's been an unusual position that uh given what's transpired over the last uh 24 months or whatever for better or worse that lumps me in with a lot of people people don't like um even though even though yeah, also, yeah. I, I will make the claim that i've been consistent for about 10 years on this like i haven't pretty much i haven't really changed what i've said um but you know depending on the time of day uh, or depending on what you know some random person uh, publishes to ethereum that that can be uh, treated with disdain um but yeah it's important to have these conversations and like i you know i'd really recommend you know uh just just in the broader scheme, I think you're being really sober about how you're approaching it. I just recommend anyone listening, you know, like there, there is room for, there is room for, for sober uh, kind of cautious uh, uh, curiosity and optimism about what's being built. Um, and yeah, and, and I, and I, I'm firmly of the belief that over, let's say the next 18 months or two years, it will start becoming clearer that there's kind of room for everybody in this debate. And fundamentally, we need more people who have deep experience of culture, have deeply critical, uh, thoughtful uh, 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 perspectives on, on culture and what music actually means uh, uh, outside of like sharing files on the internet um to contribute to the space so so i'd encourage i'd encourage cautious cautious uh uh, curiosity there like most things you read on the internet about how awful crypto is for the environmental reasons or whatever most of that stuff is 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 horseshit um some of it isn't um but the uh yeah but 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 if we want to actually uh if we want to actually you know actually make a material difference to people's lives um uh i personally believe that the best place to be to be arguing for that is in the tent right now bring your same opinions just bring them in the tent <laughs> <laughs> nice nice i like it i like it i like it awesome well uh, yeah appreciate you talking to us and everything and like yeah almost probably two hours almost. yeah so, we could go on uh, forever I, that, I had yeah. yeah i had more to talk about with you but it, yeah we can we can revisit this later uh we can re revisit this later yeah yeah because it, it is a space that's like we're constantly watching it seems like there's constantly new yep. things happening so like yeah definitely i should also yeah, say at the end for well. credibility's sake i noticed it came up in the david turner episode um i am personally invested in a few uh projects companies in the crypto space um i also don't advocate for anybody to invest a dime of their money into the crypto space particularly not uh, without knowing what you're doing um so for credibility's sake and full transparency i i do have uh i do have financial entanglements in this world it's one of these weird things where like you know 
uh, five years ago calling for us to have ownership in platforms uh, was considered a very progressive idea. I still consider it to be a very progressive idea, but it also does bring up conflict of interest uh, concerns that are really sticky to deal with. Like when everyone has uh, a, you know, a, 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 an ownership stake in some of the things they contribute to. Um, but for credibility's sake, I think I think it's worth it's worth pointing that out. Like I, I do have some financial entanglements in the field, but I'd be doing this anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh...